Morning, Bethel. Morning. All right. Well, we are kind of in between um, on some on our series here. Uh, Tyler and Pastor Pastor Tyler and and Alex Kirk um, did that series on John seventeen on relational Christianity, um, relationships at the fabric as the very fabric of the Christian life. Um, and then in two weeks, on September 7th, we're going to start a series on what is the local church. Faith in the local church is what it's going to be called. Um, so we've got this week and next week. Next week, next week is a special service focused on um, our missions teams giving reports from the summer. So this morning we've got one shot. And so the one shot is from Psalm 23. Um, one of my favorite psalms, and I know a favorite of a lot of you. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23, we're going to read that in just a moment and pray, and then we'll dive in. There's an outline in the bulletin, if that's helpful, as you listen and follow along. You can find Psalm 23. If, if you're not familiar with the Bible or don't have one with you, you can Use that Pew Bible and you can find it on page 458. Psalm 23. We'll read it and then I'll pray briefly for us and then we'll dive in. A Psalm of David. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are not an aloof monarch, unwilling to get your hands dirty with your creation, just setting it in motion and then stepping away. We thank you that you are engaged and involved, that you have spoken at many times and in various ways through your servants, the prophets. We thank you for how you have spoken in the Psalms and given us these poems, these songs that reveal so much of who you are to us and also engage with us, with us across the whole spectrum of our emotions and experiences in life on this earth. The joys, the sorrows, the, the angst, the anxiety, the suffering, the fear, the peace, all of it is represented in these 150 psalms. And we thank you for Psalm 23 especially and the 
megatons of grace and truth that are present there. I pray that you would give us ears to hear it and hearts to perceive, soft hearts to receive and perceive all of the grace and glory that's, that's there for us. I pray that the familiarity of it, Lord, would not keep us from receiving what you want to give us this morning. May it not be that familiarity would breed contempt or even just indifference this morning. I pray that we would hear this psalm again, maybe for the first time, in a fresh way, that you would speak the truth of this psalm to us in a way that feeds and waters and protects and motivates and encourages and comforts us. We need it. We are so needy. And we thank you that you are a gracious and merciful God, so willing to help and provide and protect and save and deliver. And we see that supremely in your son, the Lord Jesus, our good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. And so it's in his name that we can pray these things and ask for your help. Amen. Okay, so again, little outline in the bulletin, if that's helpful for you as you follow along. I want you to um, just begin by asking yourself a question. I'll, I'll ask it rhetorically, um, but just take stock, take inventory, think about your life, think about your life this past week, think about your life this past month, maybe this past year, some of your patterns. Who's your shepherd? Who is feeding you? Day in and day out. And obviously I don't mean physical food necessarily, although you're looking to someone and something for provision. Who's meeting your needs? Who's giving you rest? Who's shepherding you? Who are you looking to on a regular basis to provide those things? Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening for? Who are you following? Who gives you comfort when you're afraid? Where do you run? Who do you look to for protection? Who's your shepherd? Do you have a shepherd? Are you trying to be your own shepherd? Everybody's got a shepherd. I don't care how irreligious somebody is. Everybody's looking to someone or something for these things. And it may be that they're just looking to themselves for it. So who's your shepherd of choice? And I don't mean in your head knowing the right answer. I mean practically on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. Who's your shepherd? Or what is your shepherd? Because you can look to something to provide those things rather than God himself. So we've just read Psalm 23. Before we begin to unpack it, let's ask another question. Because we're just diving in here into the middle of the Psalter. Um, just reading Psalm 23 as if it can be ours. And I think we need to stop and say, what right do we have to take this psalm on our lips? How can it be mine? How can it be yours? Where you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, and so therefore I will not be in need. How is it that the Lord is your shepherd? How can the Lord become your shepherd? We can't just assume that. We need to make sure that that's abundantly clear. So Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each and every one of us, we've turned everyone 
to our own way. Okay? We've all rebelled. We've all run away from our shepherd. And the wages of sin is death. God is just. He's got to punish guilty sinners. We deserve to die and be judged for our sins. But this shepherd is also merciful and loving. And so in his great love, he sent his son to die in our place. Isaiah 53, 6 ends like this. So all we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Jesus is the good shepherd. John 10, Jesus said this, I'm the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. In fact, not only is he the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, he's also referred to as the sacrificial lamb who was slain in our place. He's the shepherd and the lamb. So he died, shed his blood to provide atonement for our sins, to cover our sins so that we could be reconciled to God because we had run away. So he brought us back. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when you acknowledge your sin and your need of a Savior, your need of someone to die in your place, to pay for that sin so that you can be reconciled to God, when you turn to Jesus, trust him as your substitute who bore the penalty you deserve, he becomes your shepherd. And then through Christ, Psalm 23 becomes yours. Not because of anything that you've done, but because of everything that Jesus has done. Okay? So, this psalm that's filled with truth and promises, I hope that we savor it more today than we ever have before, that it's sweeter than it ever has been as we look through it. And all of the sweet fruit, all the grace and truth that's here, you need to realize that every bit of it comes to you only through Jesus. So you have Jesus to thank if this psalm is yours this morning. And if you hear this psalm and you're not yet a Christian and you go, wow, that would be awesome to have a shepherd like that, you can have a shepherd like this by coming to Jesus, the lamb slain in your place to become your good shepherd so that these promises and truths are yours. And you know what? When Jesus is your shepherd, He died so that these truths and promises, no one and no thing could take them from you. Listen to John 10 again. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So if Jesus is your shepherd, you are in his hand, you are safe and secure forever, which is really sweet, and we see early echoes of those very truths here in Psalm 23. So let's dive in. The first point here, the Lord is my shepherd, verses 1 to 4. We're going to see provision, we're going to see the purpose of his shepherding, and we're going to see protection in these first four verses. So first the provision, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. And the thought is, like with poetry, it's an economy of words. So oftentimes some of the connection words are assumed. Okay, if you read poetry, you know this is the case. Certainly the same in Hebrew poetry. So the Lord is my shepherd. What would you put in between there? I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. Okay, now we could spend an 
hour just unpacking the sweetness of this one line. We won't do that. But let's just start by saying, who's the Lord? Because we can't just assume and blow by these things. You see all those caps there? Lord with all caps, the small caps there. Anytime you see this, many of you know this already, but anytime you see that in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that is translating the covenant name of God. Remember Moses at the burning bush? Who am I supposed to tell them sent me? I am sent you. Okay, so I am who I am. Yahweh. He is the self-existent one. He is the self-sufficient one. He's dependent on no one. That's why the bush was burning, but it wasn't burning. Because God doesn't even need any fuel. So it was a living illustration of what his name means there. Okay, he needs nothing. And so all of that overflowing fullness and sovereignty is for us. Who's your shepherd? Who do you look to? Who do you run to? The Lord is my shepherd, the self-existent one, the one that holds everything together, the one who made everything, owns everything, sustains everything. He is my shepherd. This is the one who fling, who flung, <laughs> flings, I was going to say, it's flung billions of galaxies with billions of stars each, and in Psalm 8 just calls it his finger work. Only him, only he's your shepherd. So when Moses later on in Exodus said, show me your glory, I want to know you. The Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name. Name representative of his character, his glory, who he is. I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And then in chapter 34, the Lord descended in the cloud, stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, same covenant name, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The Lord, that Lord, is my shepherd. When you take this psalm on your lips, that's what you're saying. So is that true? Is that true for you? How do you feel about that? That that Lord is your shepherd. All of who the I am is, is who my shepherd is. So do you see why we need God himself as our first thing, as our, as our everything? Do you see why we dare not assume him, assume that we know him? Okay, so we, we lose sight of this all the time. We lose sight of his greatness. We lose sight of all that we have in him. That's why we're afraid. That's why we're anxious. That's why we grumble, grumble and complain. That's why we get cranky and irritable. That's why we're angry and impatient. Because we forget who our shepherd is. We might know it in our heads, but we don't really know it. Because if you know, if you really know the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. 
I shall not want, I, I, I should say this because I know at least, um, you know, for kids this can be a little misleading. This is kind of a more formal way of saying I will not lack what I need. Okay, it doesn't mean I'm not going to want anything. <laughs> it means I will not be in want. I will not lack what I need. Okay, so listen to some other texts that say the same thing. Just, just listen. This is the nature of our God, our shepherd. With him as our shepherd, we shall not want. So Psalm 34, 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalm 84, 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Do we believe that? It's, Psalm 23 is a call to trust this shepherd. Philippians 4, 19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That is the kind of God who is your shepherd if God is your shepherd. I think I read this once. Um, got a pastor named Ray Ortland. Um, you've heard me quote him before, I think. He once wrote, commenting on Psalm 23. I love this. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. What, what other ways could you finish that sentence? Do you know how we often finish that sentence practically in the way that we live? The Lord is my shepherd. I wish I had that fill in the blank. I wish I had her body. I wish I had that job. I wish I had his success. Etc., etc. Do you see how, if that's how we're living, we've forgotten who our shepherd is? We're looking somewhere else. So, all of our envy, all of our covetousness, all of our greed, all of our self pity, all of our discontent, you know what all that means? Mine? It means we're looking somewhere else for shepherding. Because if we are in Christ and if we're looking to our Heavenly Father, who knows what we need before we ask, who's good and does good, who is for us and not against us, then we will be free to seek first his kingdom without anxiety, but with gratitude and contentment and joy. Okay, but you might not be feeling it this morning. Like, oh, I know, but I'm not feeling it. Okay, you're in the right place, and you're in the right psalm. That's why the psalm goes on to unpack it, to, to remind you, to preach to your soul to convince you and to bring you back to a place where you go, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. So this psalm is here to fan into flame our trust and confidence in the Lord, our shepherd. Really, the whole of the psalm unpacks this first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, positively. Negatively, I shall not lack anything I need. So there's the, a reminder of the Lord's provision as we go on here, his protection, and the purpose for it all. So let's look first at the provision there in verse 2. Unpacking what it means for the Lord to be our shepherd. <clears throat> he makes me lie down in green pastures. So when this was written, thousand years before Christ, ancient Near East, Middle East, green pastures, not plentiful. Okay? Also, those green pastures are seasonal. 
So for the psalmist to say, he makes me lie down in green pastures, means that the Lord's provision is abundant and constant. Okay, so for, for sheep to lie down in green pastures, people in that time would know how wonderful that would be to find a green pasture for, you know, to have your sheep lie down in. For that to be always available is an amazing thing because it was just seasonal. And even seasonally speaking, it still was, was kind of, you know, spread out here and there. It wasn't just everywhere, such a dry and arid climate. Okay, so for sheep to lie down in green pastures means that those sheep have already eaten well and they're secure and safe. Okay, so sheep don't lie down to eat. They lie down to rest. So you've eaten well in the green pastures and you lie down to rest. So these sheep, the sheep of this shepherd, are satisfied and at rest. That's what Yahweh does for his sheep. It's what he can do for his sheep. For the psalmist, he's experienced this many times in the past, and as a result, he confidently expects this to be his experience in the future. So he declares it with confidence and invites us to share that same confidence. You see it? Like, do you see how this is? There's no commands in this psalm, but it's an invitation. It's an invitation to believe it and remind yourselves of it and experience it. Okay, the next image is similar. He leads me beside still waters. Rushing waters are hard to drink from, right? They can even be dangerous for a, for a sheep. Quiet waters are peaceful waters that are easily accessible. Once again, it's a picture of peace and safety and provision. So are you thirsty? Yahweh is our shepherd. He needs to be our shepherd, the one we look to to slake our thirst. We oftentimes run everywhere but to him to slake our thirst. And then the next picture of provision is that of restoration. He provides restoration or revival there in verse three. He restores or he revives my soul. So the Lord knows our frame. He knows we're but dust. He also knows that we're prone to wander, which gets us in trouble and gets us hurt. He's a shepherd. He pursues his strays rejoices to bring them home and to restore them to health, to revive them. So this shepherd provider is also a, you could say a veterinarian, a doctor who restores us to soul health. Okay, so stop and think about this, savor this. God knows our frame. He knows what life is like. He knows realistically what we go through. So if we never got discouraged, broken down, hurt, we never wandered off, we would never need this. But he knows those things are a given. So how good is it for him to say, I'm the shepherd that restores your soul. You know where to come when you're broken down, when you've gotten yourself in trouble. Come back to me. Let me revive and restore you. So let me ask you again, who's your shepherd? Who do you run to? Who do you look to? So the Lord's shepherding is full of provision. It's also shepherding that has a purpose. Look at the end of verse three. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So God will lead you and me in the path of his will. He's going to lead us. If he's our shepherd, he's gonna lead us. We have a shepherd. We are not left to just wander on our own or to guess the right path. He's a good shepherd. He 
makes it clear. That's why he's given us this word. So the question is, will we listen? Will we follow? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him so that he's the one directing your paths, making them straight. And he does all of this leading in the paths of righteousness for a purpose. It's all for his namesake. God's glory and our good are not two separate things. They are inextricably linked. They are marvelously, amazingly wrapped up together. Okay, God does all that he does for his name's sake, for the glory of his great name. He alone is worthy of our worship and obedience and adoration and all the praise. And he does this leading, even of us stupid sheep, he does it for his namesake. He's actually called us his. We are the sheep of his hand. We're in his flock. So we bear his name. So he leads us for his namesake. He guides us and provides for us and protects us because his reputation is on the line. He actually puts his reputation on the line with us. So do you think he is going to care about fulfilling these promises? The beautiful thing is, for, for one of the Lord's sheep, he's as committed to your good as he is to his glory. <laughs> and he's pretty committed to his glory. So this sentence at the end of, at the end of verse 3 is like a hinge summarizing the provision and protection of 1 to 3, okay? So all the provision and protection in verses 1 to 3 are part of the paths that he leads us on for his glory and our good. And it then leads into and anticipates verse 4. Do you see it there? Even when he leads us through the deepest and darkest valleys, he does so for his glory and our good. Do you see that? So let's look now at verse 4 and see the protection that he gives to his sheep. This is not protection from experiencing danger and threats. This is no Pollyanna, rose-colored glasses sort of view on life. But this is protection in and through the experience of those dangers and threats. So verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? How can I fear no evil in that valley? That's a scary valley. Well, because you are with me. So these are the valleys of deepest darkness, places of the greatest threat and danger, and our shepherd has promised to keep us. He hasn't promised to keep us from those valleys, but he's promised to keep us in those valleys and lead us right through them, right by our side. In fact, just, again, think about the whole Bible the context of the whole Bible, this is, this is a repeated theme. This is consistent. Jesus said to his disciples, he warned them, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Many of you, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to suffer. But at those times, and especially at those times, we need to know that we still have a shepherd. He hasn't abandoned his sheep. He's with us. This with us theme is just 
repeated over and over in Psalm 23 because we need to be reminded of it over and over and over, especially when we are suffering or when we're under threat and in danger. He's with us. He's for us. So what is it about his presence with us that drives away the fear and brings us comfort? Read on. Look, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay, you probably don't know any shepherds personally, so you might not know how a rod and a staff could be comforting. Maybe you could guess, but the rod was actually like a club to fend off wild animals that would seek to ravage the sheep. It was a weapon. So that's comfort. That's a comfort that the shepherd can protect his sheep from the threats. And then the staff is used primarily to keep the sheep from wandering off or falling into holes or, you know, going over a cliff or whatever. So the shepherd will protect you from those who would seek to eat you alive and destroy your faith. You should be comforted by the Lord's commitment to protect you and his ability to protect your faith. So Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but we can resist him firm in our faith in Jesus, our good shepherd, who is infinitely stronger than the evil one. So the shepherd will protect us. He will also keep us from wandering off the side of a cliff to our destruction. Keeping us on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you see how even the correction is for his namesake? So that we can reflect his character well. So that we don't drag his name through the mud. Sometimes that correction is going to be gentle. You know, just a little gentle tug like, come on sheep, don't, don't go that way. And it should bring a smile to your little sheep face. <laughs> because you know he's with you. And he loves you. Thank you. I didn't want to go in that ditch. Break my leg in that hole. But sometimes his correction is going to be painful, very painful. He's going to yank us away from danger or out of harm's way. And it's going to hurt. But again, if we have eyes to see it and soft hearts to trust him, we'll see this is a comfort because he's with me. I'm not out here on my own. That hurt, but it kept me. It kept me. So you don't have to fear any evil, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because the shepherd, the I am, the sovereign Lord of the universe is with you. So verses one to four, full of protection, provision. Verse five is actually more of the same, even though the image shifts. Okay, so no longer is is God using the metaphor of a shepherd, but now one of a host. But still the themes of protection and provision are central. So here is the banquet that's held in the presence of our enemies. And we are protected by our host. And this host provides bountifully for us. So point number two on the outline. On the back there, the Lord is my host. Verses five and six. Verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Okay, so think of the connection here to fear no evil back in verse 4. God doesn't remove all of our enemies, but he can care for and protect us even in their presence. So you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. In the ancient Near East, in, in their hospitality culture, the honored guest would be anointed, which is why 
Remember Jesus, it was, it was such a dishonor to Jesus that Simon the Pharisee didn't anoint Jesus with oil. Remember that when the woman came in and anointed his feet? Anybody awake? Remember that? Anybody? Okay. All right. So you anoint my head with oil. So we are an honored guest at the, this host's table. And then there's this abundance that's clearly portrayed here. The Lord's own people, they're provided for abundantly. The cup metaphor repeats and reinforces that picture. It's, my cup is just never going to go dry. It's, it's full to overflowing. Generosity, abundance is there. That's the nature of the Lord's provision. This host's provision. But consider again in the presence of my enemies. Okay, what is the picture back then? What would they have thought? Well, it's, it's a little uncertain, okay? It's possible that the idea here is that these are conquered enemies and your host is the conqueror, okay, which would be quite possible because the, the image of a shepherd is used in relation to a king. So David was the shepherd of Israel under God, which you can imagine if you're David, he's got a lot of responsibility as a shepherd. It's really encouraging to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. So if you're burdened with your leadership concerns, whether it's of your family or at work or in your ministry role or whatever, the Lord is your shepherd. You still have a shepherd. So whatever burden you're bearing from the responsibilities that you have, you can say, I'm not doing this alone. I actually have a shepherd even as I seek to shepherd. So anyway, it's quite possible that king conquering and you are one of the king's subjects, maybe one of his soldiers and those vanquished foes are there and he lays out the table which is just clear evidence of his conquering the enemies and he can just provide a table. There's no threat anymore. So that's possible. Once again, protection, provision are wedded together. Okay, so we should savor this. We should savor this. We look all over the place oftentimes. Week to week, like, I know we know it here. The Lord is my shepherd. But we run everywhere but to the Lord for protection and provision. And I think that's why this psalm just keeps beating into our heads and into our hearts. The Lord is your shepherd. Run to him. Okay, so we should savor this so that we remind ourselves of it. Maybe this little scene will help. Um, just kind of an imaginary scene hopefully to feel the weight of this a little bit more and how sweet it is that the Lord, our host, can prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. So what are the threats? What are the dangers in your life right now that are, that are uh, causing anxiety? Imagine you are a soldier. You're on a recon mission from your commander. You've got to travel through enemy territory to get that information. And your mission is complete, basically, but the travel back to camp is still dangerous because you could still be spotted by the enemy. You know, the watchmen that are out kind of on the borders. So you think you've just about reached safety when you hear muffled voices and the rustling of armed soldiers moving toward you. So your enemy spotted you, you start hightailing it, like you start running. Your enemies are fast. You know how cruel they are. So your heart is beating furiously not only because you're running as fast as you can run, but also out of fear of what capture would mean. 
So as you run down the rocky terrain, your enemies seem to gain on you. You look over your shoulder, there's seven or eight men. You're on your own. They all appear to be bigger and stronger than you. Come to the bottom of the valley, you start up the other side of the hill, and your camp is set at the top of the hill. Your adrenaline is the only thing keeping you going. The men are getting dangerously close to overtaking you. You crest the top of a little rise within a stone's throw of your camp, and there your commander is sitting at his table with 30 of his crack troops, best warriors, eating the evening meal. He rises to his feet when he sees you running over the crest of the hill with fear in your eyes. Just then, that small band kind of crests the hill, and as they do, there's this sweet clatter of steel that fills your ears as 31 warriors stand with swords drawn. The enemy, what do they do? What do those enemies do? They stop cold, they hesitate, and then they turn and run. And the commander places his mighty hand on your shoulder, guides you to a seat at his table near him. Well done, son. Come and eat and drink in peace. So who's your shepherd? To whom do you run for provision and protection? What threats are nipping at your heels right now? What enemies are you battling? And it can take all kinds of different forms. Past guilt? Are you plagued and hounded by regret and shame? Do you think you need to run to the cross, to the good shepherd that laid down his life for the sheep? Listen, listen to Colossians 2. If you have owned that sin, it is under the blood, it is covered. You don't have to be hounded by that past guilt and regret and shame anymore. God made us alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Then he set aside, set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. See, the devil loves to wag his finger at you and remind you of what you've done and get you to despair. How could you sit at this table? How could the Lord be your shepherd? You're just a mess. Look at how you've wandered. And you know what? Most of the time, he's right. But he leaves out the cross and the blood. And so that enemy can be vanquished. Like, how about the Lord's table set in the presence of your enemies? I crushed his head. I defanged the evil one. He can whip his tail all he wants, but you are mine and secure in Christ. Or physical material threat, disease, financial trouble, run to the only one who's sovereign over all threats and enemies. So there's lots of things that can pursue us, lots of things that can dog us and chase after us in this life. Make sure as you deal with all those threats, the things chasing after you, that you don't miss this. Look at what chases you if the Lord is your shepherd. Verse 6. Surely goodness, like most certainly, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Okay, most translations go with kind of a milk toast translation here. It says follow. Thankfully, there's a couple um, recent translations that represent the word better. It's a strong word. It's, it's actually used of being persecuted. Like being, 
you know, attacked. So it could better be translated pursue. So goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. It's going to chase after me. So listen to this. Here's what life is like when the Lord is your shepherd. It is most certain, surely. You can take it to the bank. Goodness and mercy, and mercy is chesed, the Lord's covenant, faithful, stubborn love. Goodness and mercy shall pursue you and me. Even if our enemies are in hot pursuit, don't forget that Yahweh's goodness and mercy are after you all the days of your life. You and I will be chased by grace all the days of our life. Isn't this good news? I mean, anybody savoring this? Again, if you don't have Yahweh as your shepherd, you need to know what happens to you. Flip over to Psalm 49. is very sobering. Psalm 49, verse 11. It'd be worth reading the whole psalm, but we'll just jump in here at verse 11. Their graves are their homes forever, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, so if the Lord is not your shepherd, the grave is your home forever. Their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names, even if a country was named after you, it doesn't matter. You're still going to be worm food. Man in his pomp will not remain. He's like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence, trying to be their own shepherd. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. Oftentimes people that are foolishly confident, everybody praises them, retweets their posts. Anyway, Verse 14, like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol, that's the grave, death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. So do you want death to be your shepherd, or do you want Jesus to be your shepherd? I would rather have the Lord as my shepherd, the one who conquered the grave and gives us eternal life, to dwell in his house forever. So this psalm starts with the Lord, it ends with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, leading, feeding. The goodness and mercy of the Lord will chase us, will pursue us until it sweeps us into the presence of the Lord forever. So hopefully you'll see this happen this after, you know, after, after we're done here in a few minutes. When you go out in the lobby, we've got a bunch of little kids, and you're going to see a parent, maybe of a toddler, you know, doing one of these things. Ever seen that? Where the parent kind of follows behind, like we want to let the child kind of walk and learn to toddle and all this kind of stuff, but we're going to be there. So you're, you're kind of putting up a temporary guardrail, you're weaving left, a little gentle nudge to the center. That's the goodness and the mercy of our shepherd because he is going to lead us all the way home. We are foolish, wandering sheep. He pursued us. We're in his flock. We're still prone to wander. He's going to provide and protect us. He's going to restore us when we, when we get hurt. He's guiding us by his grace all the rest of our lives, all the way home. 
Isn't that sweet? The Lord is the shepherd ahead leading in this psalm. The Lord is the host together dining and communing. The Lord is the goodness and mercy pursuing. He's just all around us. Often in Israel's history, they found themselves outside of their homeland. They were displaced and exiled, right? For any of the faithful remnant who trusted in Yahweh as their shepherd when they were off, you know, in Babylon or whatever, do you think this promise was a sweet one to them? (laughs) That they could come back and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Folks like that talked like this, Psalm 84.10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. So God himself, the Lord, is our home. Wherever he is, we can be at home and at peace. And so he's with us. We can dwell with him. He dwells with us all the days of our life. And we will dwell with him, he with us, all the days of our life for eternity because he's going to take us all the way home. He's going to make sure that his children, his sheep, make it all the way home. So verse 6, all these blessings are summed up. I mean, just you've you got to just go and, and chew on this. You've got to just go savor this psalm. Go just th- think about verse 1 and verse 6 beside each other. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Most certainly, goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is just incredible grace and kindness and goodness and mercy and love and provision and protection. So therefore, I shall not be in want. Amazing bookends there. The whole psalm, each of the aspects of God's character that are revealed say, I'm wholly committed. I'm wholly committed. I'm wholly committed. Shepherd front leading, host with us, communing and dining, goodness and mercy behind pursuing. Again, if we really believe this, no wonder we shall not want. So if we have ears to hear this this morning, this is going to fill us with security. It's going to fill us with his goodness and mercy and love, with confidence. It's going to drive away anxiety and fear. It's going to drive out grumbling and complaining and envy, bitterness. No one is able to snatch us out of the hand of our good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. So fourth point, or third point. Um, Again, who's your shepherd? We'll get to that third point in just a second. Who's your shepherd? Stop and think of your life again. You've got to intersect this with your life. All of your if-only moments. Well, if only, all of your must-be-nice moments. You look around, oh, it must be nice. All of your fearful and what-if moments. I mean, do you do this? Well, what if, you know, you wake up in the morning and, you know, things are, you're anxious and, you know, by, by like, you know, 6.45, you haven't even gotten in the shower yet, and you're, you're, you're evicted, you're on the street. Like your house is, is in foreclosure. What if? All your anger, self-pity moments, all your overwhelmed and discouraged moments, all your despairing and hopeless moments, 
You have a choice at those moments. You can either listen to yourself, you're not a good shepherd. I'm not a good shepherd of me. You can commiserate with and complain to somebody else at work or whatever. You can daydream and fantasize. Well, if only, if only. You can drown it with alcohol or television or video games. You can medicate with shopping. You can run to food or porn or hide in sleep. You can run to exercise or escape, you know, in a myriad of ways. You can bury yourself in your work. You can even, in kind of busy, busy, busy service for others, refuse to slow down enough to listen to the anxiety, fear, bitterness, unrest that's churning in your soul. So who is your shepherd? Now, point three. Got your go-tos? What does that mean? Do you know how many people who have died with these words on their lips? Do you know how many people have been pursued by goodness and mercy through the deep waters of death with these words? Do you know why? It was because this was one of their go-tos because they had it down cold. And maybe, maybe most of you, all of you have this down cold. If you don't, you need to get this down cold. This has got to be one of the go-tos. Where are you going to go? Where do you go when trouble strikes, when the threats come, when the anxiety starts just running in the morning when you wake up? You've got to have some go-tos, folks. This has been one for me. It's been one for millions. It's probably been one for many of you. So if you don't have it down cold, go memorize it this week. Go to it until it's a go-to. Now, when I say get it down cold and go to it till it's a go-to, I don't mean just memorize it so you can say it without thinking. Memorization's not the end game. You memorize it so that, last point, you can preach this psalm to yourself and to others, and you can pray it at a moment's notice when you're under attack, when you're anxious, when you're fearful. Okay, so tomorrow morning, is this going to happen? How many of us is this going to happen? It's probably going to happen to me tomorrow morning. It's happened many times this past week, which I'm thankful for the opportunity to apply what I'm preaching this past week. You feel overwhelmed, so much going on. How are you going to keep up? You wake up, what happens? Your mind starts racing. And maybe you need to, you know, get out the paper and write stuff down. That's true. But do you ever, in those moments, stop listening to this incessant anxiety and say, time out. Today, I need to be reminded of something. This whole day needs to be lived under the banner of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd today. And with him as my shepherd, I shall not want. I'll have everything that I need to trust in him and obey and follow him today. So Lord, help me to trust you. It's gonna lead you right into prayer. The Lord, oh, I don't feel like I won't be in want would you please feed me, make me feel secure in your love like a, a sheep lying down in green pastures? You say you do it, do it, please, today for me. You're preaching the psalm to yourself, you're praying it, and then you might run across a brother or sister, somebody in your home group that needs to hear this, and you can share, them, share with them the same truth and fight for their faith. So do you see how this psalm is supposed to work? There's no commands in this psalm. But there's an invitation to trust. 
and there's reminder after reminder after reminder saying, who's going to be your shepherd today? The Lord needs to be your shepherd today. Is the Lord going to be your shepherd today? So we don't memorize it so that it becomes some mindless mantra. We start listening instead of our you know, anxious hamster wheel mind, we start listening to this psalm. We start preaching it to ourselves. We start counseling ourselves and we start praying this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I, this feels like it's spinning out of control. I am really tempted to freak out right now, but I'm not wandering alone. I'm not orphaned. I don't have to handle this day on my own. I don't even have to get out of this mess, even if it's of my own doing, on my own. The Lord is my shepherd. And you go on through the whole thing. And the beauty of this psalm is that it's just so broadly applicable. So if you're being bullied in school, this psalm is for you. If you're on your deathbed, this psalm is for you, obviously. If you're experiencing financial difficulty, if you're dealing with relational loss, if you're lonely, if you're experiencing sexual temptation, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I can trust him and turn away. If you're tempted to grumble and complain, if you're angry at things not going as planned, this psalm is for you. So listen, Bethel, really good news today. (laughs) It's really good news that the Lord is our shepherd. We won't lack for anything we need. He can make us lie down in green pastures this week, no matter what's going on, satisfying, securing our souls. He can lead us beside still waters, quenching our thirst, restoring our souls. He can lead us, he will lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even when they lead through dark and threatening valleys. And he's gonna be with us, so we don't have to fear. His rod can beat off the threats. His staff can correct us and keep us out of the ditches and on the path. So we should look up and see the rod and the staff in omnipotent wise hands and be comforted. He can prepare a table in the presence of our enemies with him for us who can be against us. He anoints our head with oil. Almighty God stoops to anoint my sinful rebel head with oil as his honored guest. And he welcomes us and blesses us with his generous hospitality. So our cup will overflow When you are a guest of this host at his table, your cup, the cup of salvation, will never run dry. And most certainly, you can take this to the bank. Please, take it to the bank this week. You will be chased by grace, pursued by his stubborn, steadfast love and goodness all the days of your life, starting today. And you will, if you are in Christ, dwell in the house of the Lord forever, where there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. So we are going to respond by preaching to ourselves one of the songs that we sung already, Come Ye Sinners. If you hear this is what your shepherd is like, what should we do? I I don't need any fitness. I I can't pull it together anyway. I just need to run to him. So we're going to remind ourselves that we need to come to him going to sing a couple of of stanzas of that song and then Tyler will come and share the announcements for us to close. So let me just pray here from the benediction of Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, 
by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip us with everything good that we may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.